So we decided that what better thing to do for Chris and I right now was to call in a little backup due to the technical difficulties with this episode getting uploaded and Chris and I getting, being able to hear it before we went to air. We went to David Up, who not only downloaded it immediately, listened to it, but also went on Discogs and has now <laughs> updated Matt Jackson's <laughs> profile page. David Up, hardcore hero. Uh, thank you for joining us. Um, and at I, the emergency. You know, I'm... I- I'm always fighting the good fight, um, and if you're a good friend of mine, I will often try to make sure that your Discogs photo is awkward. Um, <laughs> it's something, something that I take a lot of pride in doing, and uh, you know, Matt Jackson's no exception. <laughs> <laughs> I think I like. Would Matt Jackson be the hardest person you've done this with? Or Andy? Oh yeah, Andy. Andy I mean, or Matt. I mean, Andy is not a bandito, but. Uh, um, but I think if, if Andy, I need to check on Andy's, but I feel like the photo of Andy is priceless. So I, I might just go check on that on my own. But <laughs> it's an amazing, um, I definitely remember looking at it one day and being like, <laughs> why would you put this photo up? <laughs> I'm, looking um, Matt's. I'm looking for Matt's now. Oh, and Matt that's an amazing photo. <laughs> I mean, the, the, you know, I didn't like take that photo, but you know, the Google has these things available. Yeah. So, uh, so I, I get them. Oh. I, I want to see if Andy's is what I think it is. I, yes. A- Andy and the, <laughs> I love ice cream. Sure. Yes. Uh, I think we've probably talked about this before, but, uh, the Andy, uh, had done a bunch of, pu- had, we were having some sort of challenge and I believe he did push ups with me on his back. Um, and then that burst of blood vessels in his face. So that's why he looks like real sickly in that photo. Like his, his <laughs> face is very flushed. And, uh, it's a, I think it's also his photo if, when he calls me. Um, it's, uh, yeah, but Andy's also pretty, you know, he's no slouch at Discogs updating as well. So, well, I was going to say, did you or him yeah. add three against one? <laughs> oh, I didn't add. I mean, Andy's is very thorough. It's it has like thorough. Snowdonia and things like that on it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think Andy Andy is the one that took off those band like the my 1976 credits or whatever. Um, <laughs> yeah, made sure he got rid of <laughs> those. Your page is pretty good too. Yeah, I was gonna say like the both of you have pretty tight, the pretty tight on the resource representation. Yeah, I mean, I think there's still some like real like ma- little bullshit missing, but you know, like I've tried to. I'm not that good at discogs. I I try to fix things, but you know, you know, at least at least everyone can look at it and know where where in New Jersey I was born. I'm glad that's up there. I don't think I did that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, and I want to check one other thing. I want to make sure it's credited in Andy's. Uh, um, just to, if you, if you want to know an inside joke, uh, that's on Andy's as well, that was actually from a tear it up record. It's, you know, in the, like what you're credited as, which I think everyone in fucked ups are, are all wacky. Um, one of his things is gossip and gossips and rumors, uh, <laughs> which actually, which is, uh, from the youth of today song, put it aside. Uh, yeah. if you think about that song where it's gossips and rumors, fucking lies. If you say, Andy Scarpula fucking like it fits perfectly. Um, so we used to do that in the van. And I believe that's what he's credited on is like, I'm like the fast time split or yeah. one of those records. He's credited as gossips and rumors from youth of today. 
See, when Matt was talking about all the crazy, dangerous stuff straight-edge kids get involved into when they're not drinking and doing drugs, that's the kind of shit he was talking about. Yeah, 2.15, last call. We're just sitting here scouring our phones for really awkward photos of each other to uh, put on the internet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, well, we have uh, some uh, notes from yourself, Dave, that you want to get into. But I guess before we get into that, how have you been? Oh, I'm fine. Uh, I know that uh, I, I actually saw Matt today, so... And he, he did text to apologize uh, regarding calling me a nerd. So I said that I would, I would settle with those footnotes. Um, I did tell him that we were, on, uh, we were on mic at that point. It was before I asked the question, so it could have been edited. Mm-hmm. But I felt, you know, as another self-identified nerd, you would take that as a bit of a badge of honor. Oh, I'm totally fine with it. Yeah, That's yeah. What I figured. And as as my uh, my my joke note wrap up says, I'm gonna start them off like I start them all off with a side combo on on Dave. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Have there yeah. been other no, yeah, I mean, been other side combos about you on the show before? Yeah, of course. You know? Yeah, like you're like if someone one day makes a searchable database of Turned Into Punk with all the references to all the people, there'll be a couple side conversations about Dave on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that you know the just you know it was came up a lot with you know Buzz and and Brian Walsby and, and, you know, <laughs> cut all that part out and everything. Well, it did come up with Joanna Angel. Uh, yeah, so I, that's true. Well, that was a direct. Uh, I know her in real life, and that was one that I set up. So of course, you know, it'd be more interesting if like uh, Jesse Michaels or someone else brought it up. You know, <laughs> Jack Black or something. So, but what I'm just saying, like. <laughs> You know, adult film stars and bikers are your demo. Yeah, I mean, I, I try to bring a bad element into into this podcast. A badass <laughs> element. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, it's like the, the first wave of gentrification, you know. We'll just get all that stuff in there and then take it over. You can bring all the artists in. Yeah. 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 I think actually this week and next week, it's the one-two punch of the two stories I think is going to be awesome. I'm super stoked for that because... Uh, do you know Fat Tony, the rapper from Houston? I do not. He's like, he's definitely, you know, friends with a lot of hardcore people and things like that. But he's like a guy who had to discover punk on his own, kind of the same way Matt did. Like, but like, Mm -hmm. you know, he was surrounded by people, but just, he was the only one that was interested in this. And, you know, Matt literally had to, you know, find it on his own because he was alone. Yeah. As far as other kids. And we had that roof to play with. <laughs> a kid in his roof can never be parted. No, no. <laughs> Man's best Chris, friend. Yeah. When you get when you get around to that episode, that, that joke will land. <laughs> <laughs> I'm mesmerized because I'm actually just browsing the resource. Uh, and I forgot that uh, Tear It Up is on the Mine Cop. And I was just blown away, so I was lost in the... Chris, wouldn't you theme. know that I also have called up the Mine Cop? And I was looking at that and be like, God, if we only knew then, <laughs> like what we know we're now. Psych- we're psychically linked, yeah. It was, yeah. That's why. Like, you would not be able to put up, like, that record now would be, like, just people crying. Like, literally just <laughs> me sobbing. Like, this is, how did it get to this point? Hey, but look at the lineup of that thing. That's, that's a, great. That's a pretty solid comp. It is. Yeah, it's great. 
it's kind of funny too because I was looking at it and it's got the gate crashers on it and it's got you guys on it and I totally forgot that like did you guys play with them a lot? Gate crashers? Yeah. Um, we definitely played with them. I I played with them and and what was the uh, the band before them? I always thought they were uh, like, oh the uh, Ultimate Warriors. Ultimate Warriors. Ultimate Warriors. Yeah, yeah. played with them as well. Yeah, because I was gonna, I always thought like. I don't know. I guess it was. I, I thought they were later, but I guess they were around for kind of a little bit. So they had a split with Down in Flames, like the the Down in Flames, like first release of the like rebirth of Down in Flames. Like they're technically they're like Mach Two, like the Start the Fucking Fire Seven Inch and the Split Gate Crashers. I thought you were talking about the basically nods. Came... what? I thought you were talking about the Nods as Down in Flame Mach Two. No, no, no. <laughs> that, that's Mach Three. Yeah, Mach um, three. No, because the first Down in Flame 7-inch has, like, John on vocals, and it's, like, way more, like, youth crew-y. Mm-hmm. And then Ian's on vocals for, like, the bulk of what you think of with Down in Flames. And, uh, yeah, the, but Gay Crashers, I don't know how actively they, like, really played out. I saw them, but I don't think they, they I don't remember them just, I don't, I don't saw, didn't see them a lot. Yeah, like, I guess it's, all, like, all those you know, because his jeans, is like, it's not like they get a chance to play a, a lot these days because obviously they're, they're, you know, all the people in the band have other jobs and lives and stuff. But yeah, like it's true. I guess it, I guess they didn't play out that much. They did put out a lot of stuff, though, for a band mm-hmm. that was only, oh, I guess they were around for three years. That's longer. That's long for a hardcore band at that point. You're talking Gate Crashers now, not yeah. obviously his jeans. Yeah. No, no, no. His jeans has been around for. Yeah, well, a lot longer than that. Yeah, I have. I did see every single band um, that was on the the Mind Comp Comp. So I I'm not sure that we played with every single band on it. But as far as uh, you know, trying to like go through your compilations of of the time and say if you've seen all of them, yeah, that we we played with, with most of them. I don't think I, I saw, not, but I've seen the bulk of them. Yeah, I don't Reagan assesses. Actually, I'm thinking about it. I'm wondering if I saw them. I don't think they toured. I don't remember if I played with them in California. Yeah, I don't. I, don't I, think, I, I never know. saw them. But weren't they from like New York State somewhere? I can't remember where they're from. Reagan Assessors from LA. LA, yeah. Oh, I thought they were. Why did I think? Did someone put out the record? Did third party put out the record or something? Maybe. Put, well, Gloom. Or Gloom. Put, there we go. That's what it is. I just Albany assumed they were an Albany group. Yeah. Never mind. Okay. No, that guy Matt Average was was in that band. Yeah, I don't think I actually saw them. No, no. So. Once I stand corrected. <laughs> Sorry about that. Just didn't scroll down far, far enough. I, uh, yeah, like I don't, I, I guess I toured with 14 or Fight and Punch in the Face. Uh, saw Knife Fight more than a few times. Definitely love that band. Yep. Um, gave John Westbrook a super last time I saw him. Yeah. You know that, you know what that is, you guys? Nope. No. When you blow the weed smoke in someone else's face. By choice, when they ask you to do it. But you put the joint in your mouth backwards, and you blow the weed smoke into them. Uh, I thought that was okay. called something else, but they, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to defer to you on No, what do you think it was called? I don't know. You I just, just got a different I, name in New Jersey. A French inhale, isn't that? No, that's when that you blow the rest. smoke out your mouth and inhale it through your nose. Oh, pardon me. Okay. And and Chris, I know you know that from that Thrush Hermit song. I exactly that is true. Yep. Speaking of Canadian content, but yeah, go on. First time I saw that video, I thought that was the Foo Fighters because I heard that Gabe Grohl was going to have this new band called the Foo Fighters, 
Mm-hmm. And I saw that video and I'm like, I think that drummer looks like Dave Grohl. <laughs> like, no, That's kind of true in the video, yeah. In the video a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then, no. then I saw the Foo Fighters <laughs> open for my quad a few months later. Yeah, and, uh, you know, all respect due, Thresh Hermit's catalog absolutely decimates that other catalog. Yeah, what's that's your favorite bit. Thresh Hermit record, Dave? <laughs> oh, don't make me choose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm a little hey, lost on this got, one. Dave's got, like, blank 77. We've got Thresh Hermit. This is where we're yeah. This, is where this we're is like, Thresh Hermit was, like, like our black flag. <laughs> I would say no, that, but I, you no, know, like no. I don't know. It would be trying to think of like a Jersey equivalent, even. Uh, well, because it, it didn't really exist. Like this scene is, you know, like I guess it would come later in America with the Strokes and kind of like that mm-hmm. wave. But Canada had its indie rock boom in the '90s. Like that's when mm-hmm. that sound really took hold here. In, in a anyway, they put out sick records, Dave. You should check them out. Yeah, they like fucking awesome. Sort of sort of like indie rock power pop stuff that's very very good with a lot of like zeppelin-y especially in their later their <coughs> last a lot of zeppelin-y nods that i don't hate somehow but yeah, yeah. That, that, like that seems like it's super yeah. heavy well they they were around for quite a long time yeah, you oh, got yeah. to talk for a second i got my cat out of the room one sec <laughs> anyway <laughs> I don't know yeah I 92 to 99 yeah man the records are good. They stand up. I recommend them to anybody listening on the show. It's not really, you know, punk, punk centric, but it's quite good. What would you go with? Uh, the Giddy with the Drugs or the, oh, there's French and Hale. I've just m- mentioned before. That's the first. Well, yeah. They, did they do a single that? I can't remember. I know it's on that Smart Bomb record. I'm pretty sure. But yeah, it's a, there's a, a double seven inch on nice. Genius Records. I do not have that. I wish I did. But uh, that's the record Steve I Albini recommend... recorded, right? The Genius Records double seven inch or no? I don't know. I didn't know. Steve O'B did a Thresh Hermit record? I yeah, no dude. Idea. And he did. They did a cover of, I think it's Clean Sheets. And I think it's like one of the best. They did the best Descendants cover I think I've ever heard. So I don't know it. that single. But yeah, like, because I don't have any. Oh, that's a cool looking record, too. Um, I'm just trying to see no, that's here. that's the one with Albini. No, it doesn't have it. I don't know which one it is. But um, yeah, these singles, it's funny. These singles never come up either. I just had, uh, oh, what one was it? I just missed out on one of them recently. It came into a shop I go to here, and I literally like called five minutes too late to get it held. But um, were you coming with me, or I thought it was going with you to that dude at the market that had all the crazy forty fives from Halifax, and we go no, on Sunday morning when he first opened. Maybe it was my friend Zach that I went with. That I could no, yeah. Um, no, it wasn't. I got every murder record release off this dude, and he had multiples of everything too. Nice. Um, and he would tell you gossip about the bands from back then. He's like, "Oh yeah, this, <laughs> these dudes all got this because they were sleeping with this person." And you're like, "Whoa, this is like a lot of bonus gifts with this record. Like a lot of, <laughs> a lot of <laughs> a weird geography of gossip that I'm getting right now." Yeah. And that's yeah. what you want. You know, you, you want to, like, we all want the deal, but we also all want the weird story that goes with the deal. And of course, <laughs> but like, in New Jersey, you would just get like, oh, yeah, these, they were terrible. We'd all go outside, you know, and like when people would talk about like, like the detention or the misfits, like, oh, yeah, that's like a finisher six pack band. Like, you just go outside. They were, they were bad. 
I, uh, and, yeah. Uh, it, it, well, it's funny because like um, the, uh, the Rick Smith of mutual friend of Chris and mine, apparently in this guy's box of records, he found not one but two copies of Nirvana's Love Buzz. An OG, really? OGs, and told wow. the guy like you should probably look these up. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Isn't guy. there two versions of it though? There's isn't a bootleg. There, is there like a big hole, small hole, or something like that? No, or... There's a bootleg, um, and then there's like the legit. But I think they only do the one press run. But there's there, there might be promo version and like the, there's two legit versions of it. Because I want to say that I knew someone that had both. I don't know if there, um, I don't know. Like, I know there's a test press version of it that is held by a former guest. Uh, ben from Third Man owns it, but uh, I'm pretty sure there's just the one version. There is the limited edition promo. Oh. Um, <laughs> and then there's, yeah. The, the, according to this, there's two Sub Pop 1988. There's seven inch limited number, seven inch limited promo. I think the promo is yeah, numbered. It just there's one on there right now. If you just want to grab one, yeah, it's just unnumbered, right? Uh, I don't know. That's there's the one for sale. Promo one is just it doesn't. Yeah, I, yeah. Do you want number three seventeen? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I like I actually think this is a pretty cheap price for this record. Well, it's only VG plus. Yeah, it's gonna be shit. Yeah. Party on. <laughs> Real Rager on this two-song single. <laughs> it's nuts when you go through here and you look up records that you have. Is, uh, is, like, I mean, Nirvana song titles are not one of those ones that we, uh, you know, that really roll off the tongue all the way. Is Big Cheese a song that I should know? It's off Bleach. It's on so, Bleach, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a good. Oh, jam. track five on. Oh, that's that's Love Buzz. All right, well, I we don't need to go into that. I was just going like. Why would I? I mean, their their song titles are are generally not uh, memorable. What? What? Are you joking? Well, I mean, it's not like they, there's a lot of songs <laughs> they, where they, they like kind of have a couple they songs talk that about remember. <laughs> no, but they don't necessarily like. They're not like a big chorus. Like, there we're gonna go over and, and and say big cheese a whole bunch. No, you're right. You're right. They don't like. They don't have the titular chorus. Yeah. That. Yeah. Type thing. I wonder, well, do they have any songs? Yeah, Bolly's lit, but that's not that's a cover. Uh, Big cheese. They actually do. I mean, they, yeah. I was gonna say, Love Buzz also a cover. <laughs> yep, Love Buzz also a cover. Uh, and like, oh, they say Love Buzz a whole bunch in that. Polly. They say Polly a lot in Polly. They say negative creep and negative creep. They say negative creep. Negative creep. <laughs> uh, uh, they, they don't say smells like Teen Spirit and smells like Teen Spirit. Like, I know. Yeah. yeah. They do say come as you are a lot and come as you are. Yeah, true. But they don't say lithium and lithium. It's a jam. Come as you are is a huge jam too. It's definitely anyway. a cool jam. Um, but that pizza off. song is not on Bleach. <laughs> so, it's not. Is it on? Uh, maybe it's on. Uh, it's on. Uh, it's on. Incesticide, maybe. Yeah, it's on Incesticide. Yeah. That's oh, okay, that's what okay. It's so I've heard it. I just yeah. Yeah. But um, should we go on to something? <laughs> yeah, we're veered. We veered way <laughs> off course here. I think we need to rein it back in and get Dave David Up's take on some of the uh, topical things. That what we called it for. <laughs> yeah. All right. Sorry okay, about that. Yeah, let's get. This back, is what I do. Also, back on track. Um, just like ten yard fight. Yeah. Back exactly. Exactly. That's, no, it's the only way, you know. Yeah. Great record. 
Yeah. I don't know. Well, we can talk about our hardcore pride. Nice. These, the puns are just going crazy right now. If I don't know how I'm going to work a uh, goal line stance or split with fast break into this, but <laughs> I'll work on it. <laughs> so what was the next? So what was the talking point that first you brought up there? It was the, what did we go on here? You would, you would mention one specifically out of the game. Me? It was just, yeah, like you being, well, I mean, I made a joke about myself, <laughs> but uh, my, uh, I, I, my, one of my points going down, um, I, I could just say them all and then we can go back or whatever you want to do. Uh, I mean, I had importance of comps, which we kind of sort of talked about when trying to figure out what bands we've seen off compilations from the early 2000s. Um, <laughs> I did see everyone from the town of hardcore comp. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, that I, I would say that we, we've kind of talked about that on the show before, but um, how much as a like a a young adult, not, I wouldn't even say a young adult, as a, like a teenager or younger, how much comps can like shape your, what, you know, your, what direction you go in. I think it's also the price point of those comps too. Like, you know, like going into a CD store at that point when the average CD, you know, in, in Canada was like $19. Mm-hmm. You're like, Oh shit, this one's only $10. Cause they yes, charge $10 for these fucking comps in Canada. Um, mm-hmm. But like you'd be like, oh well, I'm gonna buy this comp, and I can can't imagine that wasn't like an uncommon reaction. But it was also like if it's one of those things where if you like, you know, go somewhere and you're like, man, there's, I've got this much money, and there's like forty things that I'm curious about or I've heard of or this looks cool, you can just be like, all right, well, if I get this, I can hear these dozen bands in one go. Mm-hmm. And assuming bands are like putting out their best material in a compilation, not just like live tracks or throwaways, um, then you know you can you can check out a whole bunch of stuff and want to go from there. Yeah, and I think the like especially with the amount of like punk CD comps that came out in the mid '90s and whatnot that were just like really making full use of the CD format mm-hmm. by just like just really putting a million things on them. It was a great jumping off point for people. Not to get into another crazy digression, but speaking of CD formats, Mm -hmm. triggered it and taking full advantage of the CD format. Uh, Chris, on, and now Dave, you're going to get a pop out of this, on the DBS Tales from the Crib CD. (laughs) Yep. What about the fact that the hidden track was hidden before the first song? True. Which, to break it down to what's something we just talked about, as opposed to Nirvana's Nevermind, which has that song on the end. And the end, yeah. But, uh, but you're right, yeah, it's before track one. And I think it's just the demo, is it not? I think it's like, is is it the demo? And I thought it was them talking, too, and maybe that's on the demo. No, I thought it was just the demo, yeah. But it's funny, I remember stumbling upon that Same. completely accidentally, because I had either, whatever, I'd skip back or whatever. And it basically it just, yeah, it, and I thought, this is bizarre. Yeah, you wind it back, and you're like, yeah. yeah you but know. yeah, that is... That is odd. That's the only situation that I know of. Too. Yeah. Do you know how would you? I don't. How would that work? <clears throat> so you, when you press play on the CD from track one, you immediately start pressing rewind. You know, mm-hmm. and then it would rewind through the beginning of track one and into like this unlisted track on the CD that had the. I guess as Chris was saying, the whole demo. Like it seems kind of crazy that that would even happen, but yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I don't know how you would find out about this, like, DBS Easter egg. 
<laughs> I, Especially because I don't know how on. I found it. It was totally by accident with me too, like stumbling upon yeah. it because there was no internet to tell you, like, oh shit, there's a secret DBS track. Yeah, I think honestly, it was just making mixed like tapes. Yeah, and I think it was queuing up. Like I don't know. I guess it was whatever that first song is. It is a sick first song if I remember correctly. But uh, it's uh, like you were a better friend than yeah. you were. <laughs> Nothing ever. But yeah, so. I, I think I was just probably queuing it up, and somehow I rewound it back, and it just went before. And I thought, "This is weird." And then it, yeah, then it uh, changed my life. <laughs> I kind of like want to start collecting CDs. <laughs> well, I think they're pretty cheap generally. Yeah, like there's some that must be, you know, fairly sought after. Still, I imagine that Septic Death CD still goes for a little bit of money. The one, the like the one that was in like the cardboard packaging, like yeah, the, the, the crazy packaging. I I had that. Is that was that an expensive CD? <laughs> At one point, it was going for a lot uh, of money, like that and the Infest bootleg CD. I remember going for a lot of money, but this is in the nineties. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, that that Septic Death CD was just like at the print shop I worked at. It's like, oh yeah, want to throw throw it on, you know? Like, you know, I guess I, I did have. Yeah, I recently had that thought. Well, not the same thought of collecting CDs again, but it it occurred to me to when I go looking for like records just to see what CDs are priced at, because I literally had no idea anymore. Mm-hmm. And I was actually used ones more, most specifically. And I was actually amazed at how expensive they still were, at least at the store I had checked them out at. Like well, they were still at about 10 bucks. And I thought this is insane. Were like, they, are these that? they might've been cheaper than the septic death crossed out twice CD, which Fuck. the basic version of goes for two hundred and fifty nine dollars Canadian. <laughs> yes. They were much cheaper than that, but I just mean your average run of the mill stuff that you would have seen anywhere that there's like a million copies of was still ten dollars at a fairly large retailer in Toronto. That kind of blew my mind. I thought like maybe these things are like five bucks now at least, and that was not the case. No, I think like I think that market just kind of bottomed out and kind of found its like new normal. I, I'm just now. I wish I didn't. Look, you know, looking at septic death seat, three hundred dollars septic death CDs is just so stupid. <laughs> Dude, like imagine if you had it with now the limited edition five inch. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to spy that, you might as well just throw it on the money and buy the better, better one with the comes with the record and it's numbered and it's blue or something. I've got like a I've got a pusshead record that's not on here. It's like some version of the Final Conflict seven inch where it's signed by the band and by Pusshead. <clears throat> and I'm like, one day I'm going to give this to one of my kids, my favorite kid, and be like, <laughs> this is for you. You can sell this for a lot of money now. When I pick my favorite. I, I've got a couple records like that, though, and I won't tell the, each of them that I've done it. You know, So they'll think they're super special, and then meanwhile I've done it for the other kids with a different record. You don't want to go for like a sketchy '90s distro where you just like they all have like this one. There's only one of these. It's like a last one. <laughs> yeah, last one. It would be amazing if I set up all my records distro style and got my kids to pick through them, and and that's how I let them pick which who got which record. Yeah, <laughs> I more like the attitude of like you actually getting your kids to run distros at shows. Oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah, support the scene, pile on, sing along yeah, to a go, distro. The whole go thing. out, run, take my records, and sell them. Come back to me. Well, well like you know, when, 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 when we were back, actually turned it over to someone else to sell them. So I've already got. I, I mean, 
I remember, uh, I mean, I'm sure the statute of limitations are up on this, so to speak, but like Molnar and I like taking his mom CDs and selling them to like, you know, like buy pizza and like other bullshit that like, you know, your kids could be doing that at some point. You'll just be like, (laughs) didn't I have, where'd this last right seven inch go? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, No, that's why I'm going to have a lock on the door. And that's why I have a barbed wire baseball bat. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Uh, Do you really have a lock on the door, by the way, or no? Uh, I do have a lock, but I haven't installed it yet. But that's because I don't want the kids to mess with the barbed wire baseball bat. Because <laughs> it's pretty fucking scary. Yeah, it is. I agree. I've seen it. Yeah. It's kind of the coolest thing in my house, though. Like, I've, I've also got that going. Like, it really is the ultimate conversation piece. <laughs> but it's a deadly weapon. Yeah. Yes. For someone in Texas, this conversation must sound... So juvenile. Yeah, I mean, th- there's barbed wire pads everywhere here. Well, I mean, like, <laughs> now I know. There's like certainly crazy, crazy uh, weapons in Texas that you know would probably take care of a barbed wire baseball bat fairly quickly. You know, it, in the in in the room I'm in, there is a bulletproof vest, so I'm ready. <laughs> Look at you, nice. Yeah. Well, uh, bull- yeah. I don't know if a bulletproof vest could stop a barbed wire baseball bat, though. Um, I mean, if it hit me in the chest, <laughs> I can still be getting hit, hit with a bat, you know, the like only... there's, a, there's, a, there's a downside to it. But yeah, I believe it's supposed to be like, I mean, there's a higher grade of ballistic vest than what I have. Yeah. That's supposed to be more like <laughs> puncture resistant. Oh. But, uh, what's Please the, wear what's this. the spike, the, what's the spike that rating on the, uh, on the vest you got? Like they give that? Yeah. Is that on the tag? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't. I don't see what it says what's anything it, about what's this. It, what's it limited out of? Yeah. yeah. The well, only time, it is numbered. The only time yeah, I've worn a bulletproof vest in my life. 4471. Uh, yeah. Oh. Oh, don't get that on air. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what that number I mean, I don't even know if the front and the back have the same numbers on them. But uh, <laughs> when, uh, the only time I've ever worn a bulletproof vest in my life was in Austin, Texas. <laughs> Why? Were you having like just more your like 50 cent moment? I was kind of having a fifty cent moment. It was the day where we had a uh, we had some uh, interesting moments with Turbo, uh, who were playing that show as well, Turbo Negro, mm-hmm. and uh, and then I decided to come out in the after show wearing the bulletproof vest. You know, it's pretty. My they're friend, pretty warm. It looked pretty cool. It looked pretty badass. It didn't fit me because my friend who gave it to me was much smaller than I was, and I was much larger than I am now. Mm-hmm. Um, so the thing didn't really go around me, but kind of looked like a life jacket, like an ill-fitting life jacket, I imagine from way back, but I knew it was a bulletproof vest. Um, yeah, I mean, I wear one every day for work. Um, that's why I have one. Um, and, uh, they're very warm. See, that's a- like the hev- the heaviness you don't really notice after like, like, I don't, I don't think about it, but I do think about how hot I am all the time. Did that just blow your mind like it did me, Dame? That he has to wear a bulletproof vest every day? <laughs> yes. Because Texas is so hard that even the animals potentially are armed? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I just saw the tiny, not the tiny, it was actually a fairly large snake in the wild today, and it scared the life out of me, so I can't imagine what your daily routine can be like, Dame. Where did you see a snake in Canada? Yeah, I'm questioning the same thing. <laughs> What do you mean a snake? You've never seen a snake seen, in the wild in Canada. No, I definitely I saw a snake. I've seen a couple snakes in downtown Toronto. 
Okay. Didn't you, well, didn't you guys like see wolves on one of your other podcasts? So like, you know, you guys are just seeing all sorts of like wild. America. I did. Well, I live in a, you know, I live in a, mm-hmm. a area that's fairly rural. So I, yeah, there's, you know, I have that going on. But yeah, today I stumbled upon one on a dog walk that scared the life out of me, admittedly. <laughs> yeah. One time I was in uh, just... High Park and I, and I saw one zoom down the trail and that thing could fucking move. Yeah, that's what I was more afraid of. I was like, this thing wants to go at me. This is going to suck. I really don't want to have to fend this off. And I was worried I'd be having, like, I have a dog, like, having to pick up my dog. It's just like, oh, it's terrible. Anyway, none of this is punk, but go on. <laughs> yeah, I was uh, releasing a coral snake one time, and those are a native poisonous sna- yeah. or venomous snake here. And uh, I was, like, taking a picture of it because I'm like, yeah, this is cool. And then when it, like, finally realized that, like, I had, like, dumped it on the ground and it, it was free to go. It went so fast in the opposite direction, and I'm like, man, I was standing right next to this thing, yeah. <laughs> not thinking about how fast this is. That was pretty foolish, but yeah, you know, it was fine. It didn't. It went away. I just love you, like you going to like the hospital or whatever, just be like, uh, what? How'd you get bit? Uh, I was just uh, documenting the uh, snake I just released. Yeah, <laughs> and it bit me, and uh, this is why now I need the serum. It's a self-related yeah. injury, sir. <laughs> yeah, I get workman's comp for that. <laughs> trying to do like a <laughs> trying to do the praying hand pose with the snake and she yeah, got yeah. wild. Um, I was trying to, yeah, I wanted to do like a snake charmer scenario, but it didn't work. <laughs> uh, it's it's. Have you actually ever been called? Do you get called to a lot of snake stuff? Um, not really. I mean, I'll, I'll go on snakes here and there, just but like, all, like the the party line, so to speak, is you know that we're. You know, if it's a native Texas species, like that's not our, you know, that's just what it is. Yeah. Um, so we'll deal with like the, the bulk of the ones that we end up going on are someone saying, I don't know what it is. And it's just like a rat snake, like a regular Texas snake. <laughs> no, big yeah, just, deal. Uh, just a ratter. Just a regular. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, they're, they're non-venomous, like they're kind of aggressive, but they're, you know, they're snakes. So, like you, you can very easily not get in its way by just moving on about your day like yeah. you, you guys aren't into the same stuff who um, who do you think has yeah. handled more reptiles at this point from tear it up you or andy oh no <laughs> que- no question andy 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 is like <laughs> no honestly chris uh, do you follow andy on uh, your non-existent social media i don't have it but yes i'm aware of this, uh, <laughs> this thing, yes. yeah yeah well he he occasionally posts these pictures of, of these animals that he finds and i'm like I'm like, dude, do a fucking YouTube show of you just going out there in like Steve Irwin style, just in the swamps of New Jersey. Yeah. Like different animals and stuff. Because yeah. it, it's it's fascinating. Like he has like a record collector kill by death knowledge and obsession of native New Jersey <laughs> amphibian yeah. reptiles. I yeah, I, I uh posted a big uh I got a big uh, soft shell turtle the other day. I saw that. Yeah. That was cool. And I, I sent it into a group text that he's in and said that this dude really likes tainted love. As a joke, <laughs> they would only go to him because he would know that it was a soft shell. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was still trying to put uh, yeah. it all together, and then I'm like, oh, yeah. soft shell, I got it now. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's yeah. Like it's it's amazing that both you guys. Much in the same way that Iron Age has wound up putting people into diverse paths in life, mm-hmm. and tear it up, set people in 
different paths, but yet ultimately still dealing with reptiles. One out of work, one out of joy. Um, well, the most, do you know who has the most ironic teared up, uh, post teared up job? No, who would be uh, Paul D'Elia. What's Paul doing? He works for a little company called life is good. (laughs) 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 Um, life is good is like your, like your grandmother's like clothing company. Um, it's like, it's the most like hokey. Sorry, Paul. Um, like it's, it's, it's just like, 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 like a fashionless fashion company. Like they're like, it'll just be like a flower or like a smiley face and say life is good. Like Google it and you'll be like, Oh yeah, those I've seen those a million times. Okay. They're huge. They're huge on, on, uh, Jeep spare tire covers. Um, <laughs> I have seen that. I definitely now know exactly that. what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Paul, Paul D'Elia nice. works for that company. Well, wow. I think he should just if he does any like graphic work, he should just do the layout and just replace life is good with nothing to nothing on at least one yeah. thing. And we, it, better. in that group text, whenever any of us see one of those Jeeves, we send it to him, <laughs> 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 which is pretty often. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I imagine like in New Jersey, it's like working with Banksy a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, Paul's back up in Boston now. At this point, he moved. Uh, he's back up, back, back in the East Coast. No longer a California guy. And I throw disparaging comments towards New Jersey, and that shit is super fucking popular all over Canada. So, yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. yeah. that's everywhere. Um, uh, which leads to a kind of a cool point, which is like, you know, and I guess this is the whole nature of this podcast, but like bands that have had people go on to interesting other professions. Or weird yeah. characters. I mean, there's like there's weird notable ones like ones that you never know if they're like actually true. Like there was all the talk about like whether or not like Choke was like a uh worked at a salon. Yeah. That yeah. was that was a good nineties one. I believe that was true, but that was a good But do you remember when they, at the it, comeback and they're like and someone's like said something on stage and he addressed it from the stage, kinda? Uh, this might just be I've weird. actually never seen Slapshot. I've never seen Slapshot either. But this is really weird. I'm the only one that has it of the three of us. That's kind of shocking to me. Do you, are you a fan, Dave? Um, I like uh, Step on it a lot. Yeah, I, it's weird that I don't actually care that much about Back on the Map. Like, I mean, like I don't hate Back on the Map, and I don't hate um, like Sudden Death over time. Like, I mean, I don't I mean sure, but like I think Step on it's great. Um, but the you know, like, I remember in the 90s, they played, like, the tune-in or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then they were supposed to play the Wetlands, like, the next day. And then they canceled the New York show. And it's like, I would have just driven the hour to Connecticut if this was, you know, like. Yeah. But I didn't because I'm like, I'll see them tomorrow. Um, yeah. When Poison Idea did those East Coast shows, they played, Slapshot played the Boston show, but I went to the New York show. I think they played one of those like posy numbers, and I don't know why I did. That was that was go. the reunion I'm talking about when they came back after like a, a extended period of not playing yeah. out. Yeah, that was the first time idea. back since I want to say like '96 or '97 was that when I didn't go see them at the tune-in. Yeah, I uh, they never came here, and then by the time they came here, I was unfortunately touring, so I didn't get to see them. Mm-hmm. Where did you see them, Chris? In Toronto. 
I saw them, though, in, like, Buffalo, of all places, only probably three or four years ago. But I try to see them. Uh, I have this infamous story of driving all the way to Albany and missing them because they canceled. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was – I can't remember when that show was. That would have been, like, 2000. It was around that uh, – the first, like, Bridge Nine record or whatever. Um Whatever the hell that's called. Yo, go in there. Show no warfare. So it's like two, around 2003. I, I tried to catch them, miss them, and then they came back three like recently. But they still haven't played Toronto in a million years. I don't know when the last time they played Toronto was. Um, but I caught them in Buffalo, yeah. And they were very good. It's a different lineup. It didn't have like kind of a choke, obviously. But uh, it, it had kind of the lineup. If you see stuff these days that they're doing, it's kind of like uh, there's a few people that kind of go in and out, it seems. But it didn't have like Mark on drums, uh, stuff like that. Was there no show that you got to, or just a show without Slapshot? It was a show that they canceled that existed, and we went for them. And then I just we were like, okay, and then we just turned around, and went home. <laughs> like, no joke. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was it sucked. But so we had tried, and then uh, yeah, there was another. They did another one of those kind of shows, and I, I think it might have even been one of those reunions, or something to that nature. And I was just like, yeah, they're not going to play. And then yeah, they did. <laughs> and then, but yeah, I lucked out into the weird one in recent years. It wasn't weird; it was a good show. But it was just like you just think it's not going to happen, and then it did. Yeah, because they're just they notoriously kind of don't play near us, seemingly, and then they they play Europe all the time and stuff. But anyway, I I like Slapshot quite a bit. Up to probably that first Bridge Nine record, even I think is pretty all right. But the you know the classic era is the stuff that I roll with, mm-hmm. as you're saying, Step on It, Sudden Death. But I do think the weird they have that weird like uh, uh, like old time hardcore is a great record too. Yeah, it's yeah. like the kind of rebirth record, like the ninety whatever mid nineties. That's a great record. And I, like I, and dealing with pennies is like one of my favorite songs. That's off like arguably their weakest record. Dealing with pennies or pennies from heaven? Is it pennies? You're dealing with There's pennies. There's a song called "Dealing with Lies" that you've told us. Oh no no no! It's no, no yeah, surprise. Sorry, sorry. There's also pennies from heaven on that record. Pardon me. That's what I thought you were talking about. But yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I like I like uh, I like Slapshot. So I was amped. But they also played, you know, Last Right stuff, and you know, it was it was cool. That's one of my favorite hardcore vocals of all time. Still, Jerry A is my number one, but I think that's probably like my number two. Ah, no, that's kind of. Yeah. yeah, probably not my number two, but it's definitely right up there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I'm. I, I greatly enjoy Negative Effects and Last Rites, and yeah, oh yeah. You know, I don't really mess with Stars and Stripes. Um, you know, I, you know, I, I don't know why. I just never really did. I think like you know, getting aside from certain lyrics of certain songs, like that, yes, yes, yes. it's like that's like a more melodic slap shot to me. So I've always dug it, but. Mm. The lyrics are pretty intense at times. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't know how we got on this topic. It was a uh, oh the uh, post hardcore job, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do from life's blood being a, being a cop is a, a notable one uh, yes. that people were disappointed with. Yep. Uh, I mean, obviously, I think uh, Mugger. Investing his money yep. and becoming like rich is super funny. Uh, There's got to be some other guys too, like who have like invented stuff that we don't like know about, you know, like random ones like that. But 
you know, Rob Zombie. Well, the dude, the dude from Crucifix with a uh, lip service. That clothing, like the rocker clothing. Oh company. yeah, yeah, yeah. And doesn't Kevy uh, have like a clothing company? Or is he just done work with clothing companies? I think he did more work for clothing companies than he did because he was more of an artist. I think having like a businessman, but yeah, yeah. I'm not saying anything to derogatory, but um, I mean, no, no, never. <laughs> Rob Zombie being the carpenter on Pee Wee's Playhouse. Is that true? Yeah. Wow, I didn't know that either. You didn't know that? That's like a, I thought that's like a fairly, I thought established like thing. But yeah, he was, and Gary Panter, who you know, famous artist, mm-hmm. Screamers logo, obviously, but he was yeah. the, I believe, designer for the show. So Rob Zombie was like working under him, hmm. um, helping construct the sets for that place. And also, this is a wild one. You know the second Vatican Commando seven inch with the guy like looks like he's dying. Mm-hmm. That's drawn by Rob Zombie. Oh, I think I knew that one because isn't yeah is he I, is he from there? He must be, but uh, I had no idea. I know he's like I know when he lived in New York, he lived in the apartment across from Gerard Cosloy. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to get him on the show this, this summer. I think it might happen. So fingers crossed. Rob Zombie. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be a big one for me. I love those first White Zombie records. I know I don't know a ton about uh, White Zombie. I, I not you know I I never really mess with them. It's it's not you should definitely check out the early stuff. Like if you if you're into you know kind of that New York hate rock stuff from the early '90s and noise core kind of stuff. Like that's totally where they came out of. Mm-hmm. Um, like that first seven inch, uh, the second seven inch, that 12 inch is pretty crazy too. God of Thunder 12 inches is great. There's a box set that I believe Numero Group put out of all the early stuff that's, uh, worth digging into. I think you can hear it online too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like I w- became more aware of them around like Lost Exorcisto or whatever. And yeah. then it wasn't for me. Yeah. No, I think it was that, yeah, by that point I was already like, into, I mean, it was that was like, I mean, you know, who doesn't like a song called "Welcome to Planet Motherfucker"? But ultimately, I think it was hard to move <laughs> away from it. Yeah, yeah, like they were not really my thing by that point. But I think discovering them later on, now it's like, oh, this band's pretty sick. I want to get up. Uh, can... record... Sorry, go yeah. on, dude. I was gonna say you can put a pin on this until uh, we're off the air. I have a comment that I'll <laughs> I'll say I'll tell you later. Okay. <laughs> uh, what's another talking point for the episode here <laughs> um, as far as things I just want to quick hit so to speak uh, black and distract uh, and, I, and I told that to Matt when I saw him today uh, <laughs> he's wrong on the song order <laughs> it, uh, also I think the point that was interesting was uh, which I never it didn't hit me at the time talking to but orange eyed millimeter playing uh, with Machine Head and touring with Machine Head. Um, oh, yeah. I guess Machine I, Head I, are hardcore kids or hardcore people in some way. I, I He said there was another... When I talked to him today, he said there was another new metal band on that and then he didn't remember what their name was and then we... we I guessed very briefly, but then we kind of just talked about something else. 
<laughs> but yeah, can you imagine being the dude from Burn and then just being like on a tour with Machine Head and Seven Dust and like Corpus Christi, Texas? Like that probably sucks. But I think it's like I think you know that's like Orange Nine Millimeter on those tours, like you know, like that's another band that's come up on multiple episodes. You know, mm-hmm. like doing the Warp Tour, doing that stuff. Like they were doing the kind of outreach work that you know years later you're like oh that's where like people were probably first exposed to like a lot of stuff you know like mvp talks about shaka like taking him backstage and like and and how much that band stood out to him at the warp tour when he went to the warp tour after getting out of prison on his episode and you know here's matt talking about him on his episode too and it's like once again like yeah certainly not you know like a, a cb show with the warp tour or the machine head show either way but at the same time like you know how many kids do they reach on those tours oh i mean i'm not saying that like what they did was not like fighting the good fight so to speak yeah but you think about like the dudes themselves yeah being in it like like uh this will be not exactly the same thing but i remember seeing vision one time and like i feel like the dude like told a story about like being at the filming of like the beat, you know, like that Chromag <laughs> show, like playing like like the truant officers going after them for this, you know, and then and then it's like, all right, man, like we'll play whatever you guys want to hear. What do you want to hear? And it's just like suspect device. It's like, all right, we'll play a cover, you know, like probably sucks, you know, to like let the wind out of yourself. So like yeah. the same way that I, I'm sure if you were like a dude that like was a New York hardcore dude, and then just being like, you know, now we're on. You know, we're playing with like some like weak metal bands. You know, it's like, uh, you know, they don't, it's not, they're not coming from the same backgrounds. But, but I get it. That's just like, it's kind of the game you got to play, right? And like, it's funny because, yeah. you know, and I guess now it's kind of happening a little bit more. Bands are kind of crossing over. But like, you know, at the end of the day, I remember seeing Sick of It All open up for Slayer mm. and being like, Oh wow! Like it just—it just feels like, like hardcore and metal. Like they obviously go together, and punk and metal go together. Like sonically, you can make it work. But sometimes those shows are just like very intense culture clashes. Maybe it's better now. It's probably better now. But I remember just like all those shows being like, just like fights or just bummed out people. Yeah, I mean, I I think I think now. Uh, you know, we it's because of like, you know, this was I'll only get off my like ninety year old soapbox, but like because of things like Spotify and things that just kind of you can just listen to. You don't even need like your own iPod to like make your own music. Like you'd be like, I want to listen to like Terrorizer, and I want to listen to Taylor Swift, and I want to listen to Salt and Pepper, and I want to listen to like the 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 antidote seven inch and you can just do those all from you know from you know with the internet and not even be you know because there's like music divisions are so smashed down because of technology i feel like i mean i i don't i could be totally wrong on this but i bet you it's a lot easier to have these like mixed bill kind of things because you know you can you can be just in that world very easily. Uh, yeah, I, I'd say sometimes uh, in experience, it doesn't go that well from my, my personal experience. It's like, <laughs> <even> <laughs> days. 
But maybe we're just yeah. not the type of band that cross over. Like, you know, maybe it goes better for some other bands. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mind you, you got, because, yeah, you do have Trash Talk going out with, like, Action Bronson, you know, and, like, doing well on that tour. And so I guess you're right. Like, the kids are kids are able to kind of cross over now in a way they weren't before, probably, or, you know, or seemingly weren't before. Yeah. Um, uh, um, anyway, but, go on. Let's, I, if we want to move on to other things, um, you know, I, I've made notes that, uh, I've met Matt's parents, both very nice. Uh, <laughs> his sister also very nice. Um, she yeah, was also a school teacher like his mother and had a, like one of those career days. And, uh, I was there and Matt was there as well. Uh, like talking to children about like what we do for work. Oh, really? Yeah. That's awesome. Um, but as far as, uh, real things, uh, you, you guys already covered iron age. Um, emos did, uh, when did you, was emo still, th- was it a thing the first time you played in Austin? Oh God. Yeah. Like we played there a bunch over the years. Did okay. You? I thought figure. Yeah. Inside, outside, um, you know, like various times during South by Southwest. We even played chaos and chaos. Uh, I remember it was us. Limp wrist, look back and laugh. Fuck, who else played that night? Tragedy, maybe. Mm-hmm. Like what? It was like, No, no, not that year. It was like before before that kind of outreach was going on at uh, Chaos and Chaos. Before Chaos and Chaos became like the Superfest, um, when it was yeah. still just like the like a, a super amazing fest. You know, before it became like the ridiculous fest. Um, I don't remember who else played. It was a cool year. Marked Men, Dead Moon played that year, too. You know what? I might have been at that show then. Was it like, because the first time I went to Cast and Tales was like 2009. I think maybe. without airing any Dirty Laundry or anything like that, there was also uh, a confrontation between CC and CC, which was the top <laughs> of the festival. Oh, boy. I don't Not bringing up any memories? I've seen some CC confrontations. Um, <laughs> this was CC versus CC. Outside that, of emos, outside of emos, I was probably there. I mean, you know, like those kind of all run together. But yeah, emos was. Uh, I mean, it was. It was. I would really enjoyed it. And I think it actually really greatly changed the Austin scene for being like not like a quote unquote like punk venue. Like just you know, it was just a venue. I think it's closing like very greatly changed the dynamic here. Yeah, it certainly changed that geography, that part of town. Yeah, like that was the beginning of the end. But I mean, yeah, I mean, it was it was generally yeah, it was decent shows. Like the small room was not was like a good sized small room. Yeah, and I the big room there was, one time. Yeah. Um, I saw I Hate God there. They did two nights in a row where each night they were playing two full albums. Oh, sick. Yeah, I could, I don't, I didn't, I couldn't go two days in a row. Like that, that seemed like that would be, I mean, it wasn't, you know, it was, besides the fact that it was probably whatever it cost, like, you know, I, 
it was late. I'll just go see, take a needed for pain and in the name, name of suffering that, you know, full albums back to back. Um, but you know, yeah, I went there a bunch. I never, I didn't play there, but I, I went there a bunch. Uh, yeah. Like I've never, you know, I, I like, I'd always heard about it before I went there because like fuck emos and mm-hmm. you know, it's like just like a legendary club. And then when we got to play there the first time, we played on that outdoor stage, and it was just like, oh my god, this is the coolest ever. It's, it, like, it truly was, you know, and there's there's not a lot of these left, but like one of those legendary venues, like what, like, like CBGB's, you know, like that's, I guess, the ultimate one, but, you know, you think about which ones that are left now, it's like, ah, there's not a lot. Gilman, Gilman Horseshoe in Toronto, um, for us here. Uh, you know, uh, but Milestones in Charlotte. I don't know if you ever played that one, Dave. No. Um, but yeah, there's like, it's few and far between now, like those sort of classic venues and they, you lose them. But Emo's was certainly, yeah, so many great memories of that place. Such a classic place. I remember uh, someone, <laughs> I won't even get into this story. There's so many, there's so many Austin stories that are just, you're like, mm, I don't know if I can tell that yet. Yeah, I, 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 I feel the same way. I feel the same way about that. Yeah. I never played it, but I had to work it a number of times, and it was a very, very cool venue, I thought. Mm-hmm. And uh, I always liked the outdoor, like the outside one specifically. But um, yeah, I, didn't, I wasn't aware it was done. Yeah, you know, it's been oh. done yeah, for a long But they... They opened, like, it moved to, like, a bigger space that was just, like, it was actually the space that was occupied by a former club called The Back Room mm-hmm. um, that was before my time. But I worked at that Emo's for, like, a year, maybe, and people would talk to me about The Back Room every single shift because <laughs> I'm old enough that I could have gone to The Back Room. So just, like, random, like other older dude would like come up to me like hey man it's weird being here man you know background it's like yep i know <laughs> i'm not from here but i'm i'm aware um <laughs> but uh, yeah i uh but yeah it's it be it just became another like giant like you could like warehouse like you could probably like land an airplane inside it type of big box venue um so but i worked there for like a year just doing like security and stuff it, they still do south by southwest stuff there right like is it far from downtown where like the old location i never i've never been um i mean they still do like stuff there like all the time like i'm sure there's like a show this weekend yeah um but it's just like it was bigger stuff i mean chaos would do stuff there like i saw the cockney rejects there yeah um but uh I mean, that's also, like, where, like, if you're, like, Newfound Glory is going to play Austin, it's probably there. Like, all that, that like, <clears throat> kind of, like, poppy, emo, pop, punk kind of stuff. So it's what comes- we're establishing now, though, because they moved off whatever it is, Sixth and Red River, wherever they were. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what you mean by the change, because they still exist, is just in a different capacity? Yeah. Gotcha. So, yeah, it's just, like, but it's not, like... That's not a. It's not like a small club. Like it's. It's just like a corporation type big club. Well, yeah, it got um, sold. It got sold to new owners, right? At a certain point. Yeah. 
like that just bought the name. Yeah, because um, at one point it was owned by I think Pinkus was one of the owners from uh, yeah. the Melvins and and uh, but all surfers. Hey, wait, just real quick, was Newfound Glory the name I just said? Just like naming a generic band? Yeah, yes. They're they're playing the twenty first. <laughs> I, I totally just like made that up, and they're playing really soon. Yo, Did you but, make it up reading off your ticket? Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, I'm just going to see uh, the Bayside. But yeah. <laughs> Did you like? I, I was a huge Shia Lou fan. Did you guys like Shia Lou? No. Yeah, I didn't mind him. I wasn't a huge fan, but I didn't mind him. Uh, saw him once, way too late. Well, I, I saw him on that first tour. They played uh, Montreal, and then they played Toronto the next day. But I didn't see him in Toronto because I went to see uh, the Queers of the Nobodies. <laughs> nice. Well, you chose right. Uh, well, I said I seen him the night before in Montreal, so I was like, "Well, why would I see him again?" But yeah, fair enough. You know, in uh, respect, I... no, Neurosis and Converge at Emos next month. Whoa, that's sick! There you go. Yeah. How cool! Man. Like how like perfect of a tour is that? Like those two bands, yeah. you're like that makes sense. That's completely makes sense to me. Yeah, that 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 I agree. Like, that's a that's a you know. I would love to. I would think if that comes here this year, I would love to be there because they, they've done that now a couple years in a row. I think. Like, yeah, I feel like that's definitely not the first time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's I don't know. It's kind of cool that like at this point in your life, like all the bands you like kind of will eventually start touring together, and you can just go to like one show instead of having to go to two because you're older and you can't <laughs> go to two because you don't have the energy anymore. <laughs> I got a new dab rig today, guys. That's got a skull in it. Yeah, it looks out. so sick. This I I'm envisioning the skull ring off of uh, Feel the Darkness. A look like that or no? <laughs> it does, dude. It's like a sick skull. Um, <laughs> it looks pretty awesome, and the smoke comes out of the eyes and the nose when you breathe in. Pretty badass. <laughs> No, fuck you guys. Um, if I want to make another uh, Matt Jackson-related comment, um, I want to say just as far as, like, this is, once again, personal knowledge more than picked up from the podcast, um, but but Office Job Matt was a really funny era of Matt. <laughs> um, well, because that's the thing. <laughs> you knew him the whole way through, right? Yeah. Because I didn't know him in the transition period, so, like, Clicking on his Instagram page one day, being like, oh, fuck, that's Matt. Like, wow, he's like, looks different because he was like big because I guess he was lifting weights back then. But like now he's yeah. completely different to me. Yeah, he's like a total pussy now. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, but, thank uh, God, Dave. <laughs> yeah, but uh, no, the uh, so. I was I moved to Austin in the beginning of 2010, and I was walking my dog, and I saw like like a dude pulling a like walking a chopper onto the pedestrian bridge, like the Lamar pedestrian bridge that we're all familiar with, and uh, and I'm like I could see that he had two big like collegiate X's on the backs of his arms. I'm like, hey, that's that dude from Iron Age, you know? And then uh, then I just started talking to him because I'm like. Uh, you know, he's got a, an old Harley and he's a dude that I've, you know, like I wasn't like, t- I wasn't really tight with any of the dudes in Iron Age, but I saw the man full of times, you know. Um, so I rec- I recognized him as a dude from Iron Age. 
Um, and that's how I became friends with him, like good friends with him moving here. Well, um, go on. But when he worked, like his transition more into like, like, I mean, he already had a motorcycle stuff, but like the, the biker transition at that point, I'll, I'll liken to, I want to say it was American beauty where the guy had the office job that he just like, didn't give a fuck about. And it was just like, what are you going to do about it? You know, like, cause he went from being like a dude that wore like what you expect a guy who does like number crunching at an office to work. Um, and then he just like slowly like kind of transitioned to like jeans, flannels, dirty jeans, <laughs> flannels, like, like just like black hands from like working on motorcycles all the time. Like he like getting his hands tattooed. Um, it's like, like the real like, office space. Yeah, he yeah, that's what it was. It was an office space. Like he he just like just fully like didn't give a fuck. Yeah. Like, I don't care. I like he ran like ran programs so he would like start some algorithm working and then just would have like four hours to kill while it like worked. So he would just like sit there and like watch Netflix and like <laughs> you know, internet around. And yeah. Yeah, and then he they eventually he eventually stopped working there. But um yeah, it was like a real funny era because it was like it, he he was like I feel like he was like also doing that thing where he was like going in early to then leave early. So I feel like he was getting home super early from work somehow. Like, but I don't know, still working his forty. It's but. uh, it, it it's like uh, it would be a, an amazing transition to have like to go from that kind of life to the motorcycle life. I would imagine it would be very freeing. Yeah. But I mean, you know, you know, it's not like he like dropped out, so to speak. Like, you know, like he's still, no, he's one of the most l- successful to... bike builders. Oh, you mean in that regard too? Cause I was going to yeah, say, but if you go there, he's like generally listening to like metal or hardcore or something in, in the, you know, it's not like he's just like a, a norm, like yeah. listen to the, whatever's on the radio, you know? Yeah. No, he, but it's funny. Cause like, do you know, did you ever play a drift? Uh, Dave, mm-hmm. with no, I guess not. Uh, but Chris, you obviously know our friend Lindsay. Yep. Um, I was talking to her, and uh, she, I like, I'm like, do you know this guy named Matt Jackson that like builds motorcycles? And she's like, yeah, he's like super, like one of the best bike builders. Blah, blah blah. Like going on about how like amazing he is as a bike builder. I'm like, you know, he played a drift like your old space. She's like, what? Like, what do you mean? And I'm like, yeah, he was in Iron Age, and she's like, I had no idea but like that's the thing is he's gone on to become like not just a bike builder but like one of the most respected bike builders in in the in a, probably the world like i don't know enough about it but certainly in america from what i'm hearing and reading and seeing yeah i mean he's been in a, a bunch of magazines and even like as like a you know like an I, uh, you know knowing a little bit about it like he's been in street chopper and easy rider and you know like some like bigger name like magazines besides like i mean that's when i when i met him when he was walking the bike onto um the pedestrian bridge he was doing a shoot for a magazine called greasy culture and that was his first like published magazine like thing so yeah. yeah he's been doing it for a while yeah no i showed my uncle who rides um some of his bikes and he was like wow this guy's fucking awesome and i'm like yep he didn't say fucking awesome but i'm paraphrasing yeah <laughs> <laughs> and the uh the other one of the other members of uh hold fast and 
Street Cleaner and uh, Coptic Times is uh, he referenced Nick is another one of my really good friends that I hang out with all the time. Um, are you also do you ever hang out with Tarpy? No, I mean Tarpy doesn't actually live in Austin anymore. I think he lives in like one in uh, Wimberley. So, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I I say hi to him when I see him. I I I talk to Wade whenever I see him. Um, you know, I see. I don't see I don't see either of them all that often. I see Wade more often than I see Tarpy. Really? I'll, I'll oh, did Wade move back to Austin? Yeah. Oh, that's right. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, and I saw him at the the last time I saw him. Before, I saw him like I just power trip just played here, so I saw him like last week, last Thursday. But uh, I saw him during that like Thrasher showcase where it was like. One day it was like no warning and integrity, mad ball, like during all that during South by. I think the last time I saw him. How weird is it that like now when you talk about South by Southwest, it's like no big deal that like integrity and no warning play. But at one point, how weird would that have been? Well, yeah, I mean that's the the the, the magic of South by Southwest. But this was just a Thrasher show. Like all of this was in the same spot. And, oh, I know. You know. I didn't. Yeah, yeah. I played that Thrasher party before. Pretty fun party. Should have played. Didn't play this year. Did not play this year. <laughs> don't know. If, don't know if I will be playing again. But I have played it in the past. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that party was amazing. There was like just like a room full of free shoes. <laughs> like just go take a pair of free shoes. That seemed very communist. It was like, very oh, today's like the day you just, yeah. today's day. You just get shoes. Yeah. And now everyone gets a backpack. Yeah, and then, well, that's the thing. It's like, really, South by Southwest is about uh, espousing socialist values and communist values. Yeah. That's what you think about <laughs> when you think of South by. Yeah, everyone gets shoes. Do you have uh, the... No, you just get these shoes. Yeah. <laughs> everyone gets the same ones. <laughs> Move on. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, 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 I guess really I got out of doing a touring at the wrong time. Tarot, I've never got any shoes. Um, well, it's not too late. You know, you could do a reunion. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just for the yeah, shoes. I mean, there's all the, there's multiple styles of shark attack shoe. Apparently, I learned today. I, I think those were custom made. I don't know if Vance yeah. has actually gone into the production of Shark Attack, put in the water sneakers yet. Yeah, if shark our attack connection attack, and affiliation, feet. well, I'm saying if our connection and affiliation with Vans. Uh, makes anything possible for this show. I hope it one day makes it possible that those shoes actually go into mass production. Yeah. If they don't call them feeding frenzy, then I don't know what they're doing. <laughs> but, but. I like it. But it might be late. Yeah. yeah. That, that, that was a joke that really works when you're tired. It really, really does. <laughs> well... I don't know if we got to the bottom of the Matt Jackson episode, but we never get to the bottom of anything on footnotes so much as we just get caught up in the weeds. But this was a a fun hang, guys. Yeah, I enjoyed it. This episode yeah, is going to have to be a two-parter, I think, because I think it's now crossed the two-hour threshold. <laughs> so get get ready, everyone. A lot of footnotes to get, into, get through, or you've gotten through them if you're at this point. In the show. Uh, Chris, how do they reach us here for the mailbag we didn't even open? <laughs> you can reach us at footnotes at gmail.com. And Dave, how do they follow you to see pictures of softshell turtles or tortoises? Um, 
my current Instagram name, I believe, is 500 Daves of Summer. I think it is. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, and that and you can find me on various forms of social media at Lefford Damien. And uh, that's it. I think that's it. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, subscribe to this podcast. Um, and uh, yeah, it's been a it's been a real real tonal roller coaster this episode. So if you made it to this point in this episode, uh, we started pretty you know sad and morose, but we ended on a happy note. So thanks, Dave, for raising the spirits of the show. I mean, that's what, when you think of me, you think of a positive, positive scene, you know, positive Dave. (laughs) Thanks for listening, everyone. See you next week.